We made it through Portland. It's a miracle. Miracles still do happen. Okay, if you're traveling back to Portland, it looks like you won't make it to Portland because they're doing work on the bridge. Maybe there's another bridge. There's probably more bridges than the one we saw, but don't take that bridge on I-5 because it looks shut down. So, But it's good to be back, and if you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 11. And I just thought that maybe if I uh, got this little mini podium, I don't even know, what the, what do they call these things? Awesome. Okay, and that means it's going to be a good lesson if I got the the name of this thing right first try. So we're on the right track. I don't know. We'll see. Thank you. So Matthew chapter 11, and I want to continue kind of a thought that, um, I don't know how many of y'all were here the last time we were here. It's probably about a month ago. Is that right, Leah? About a month? Something like that. It was before Titus left, my son, and he left a month ago. So maybe more than a month. But the um, the lesson was very simply how to understand my Bible. And we kind of dove into it a little bit, talking about how the Bible can be a confusing book in that it's not written like a, any other book where you just start from Well, not to say you can't start from the beginning, but if you really want to understand things of, uh, like salvation and what to do in the Christian life, you don't really start in Genesis. Is that fair to say? And there's nothing wrong with starting in the book of Genesis. Don't get me wrong. But just to get kind of the basics, really, when you first get saved or how to be saved, some things like that, you don't really get that until really towards the end of the book. So it's, if, if you kind of draw, draw yourself away from this whole idea of uh, being in church all your life and knowing the Bible all your life and being in Sunday school all your life and kind of understand it from somebody else's perspective where it's like, here, here's a book on Christianity, you know? So, and then this person's going to open their Bible and be, and read Genesis and the creation of the whole entire universe and then Adam and Eve. And they're like, where, what's the Christian thing? You know, what are you talking about being a Christian? So uh, I think it's it's helpful for people to understand that the Bible is written in a different way than almost any other book. It uh it's written the theme of the Bible isn't necessarily Christ's death on the cross. It's it, by and large it's about um the Lord Jesus Christ returning. That would be the mo- that would be the thing that's talked about the most in the Bible, the the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Old Testament was about a king and his kingdom. And that that theme kind of runs all the way through, all the way beyond the book of Revelation, you know? So um, it's just good to understand some of those things. And uh, I tried to answer the question on why the reading reading your Bible can be confusing at times. Of course, understanding those things helps. But here in Matthew chapter 11, if you look down in verse 25, Jesus says something interesting. Um, and I think this needs to be thrown into the, the equation on why the Bible can be confusing for the average person. He says, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Did you see how he, he says he hid those things? And man, if you want to 
if you want to write a book where things are hidden and you kind of have to have the right heart and attitude and the right motive to go in and search the word of God or a book for that matter, I think that the Bible would be a good, would be a good format because it is, it's one of those books you, you kind of have to search it out and read it. And, and I tell you what, when you get saved and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, and you start reading uh, things and it's and it's being opened up to you it's it's a wonderful thing Amen. it really is but but standing outside of that and and being lost and reading the bible and you know that you guys do know that lost people read the bible right there's people that are in churches that are lost and they're reading the bible this morning they don't understand what they're reading they don't have the holy spirit inside of them to teach them they've never had anybody to show them the way of salvation because they're being taught false doctrines or whatever. And this is across the spectrum of all, all things that are considered Christian, right? And that would be, whether it be Jehovah's Witness or Mormons or Catholics or Seventh-day Adventists, they all claim to be a follower of Jesus in some manner. They all claim to believe the Bible. And they open this Bible, they don't understand it. And Jesus gives you a little insight here. He says, uh, Lord, I'm going to thank you this, this day for hiding these things from the wise and prudent. And of course, he speaks a lot of that to, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders of his day. And the, the truths of the Word of God were hidden to those people. They didn't understand it. But here's the average, the common person, even the young person, and he says, you've revealed it unto babes. And of course, we're not talking about little nine month olds, right? We're talking about people that will come to God with a childlike faith. And we understand that. So, um, all those things kind of need to be thrown into the equation. Did we go to um, Ezekiel and talk about, I don't know, I can't remember. Go go back to Ezekiel real quick, because I think this is very important. Ezekiel chapter 14. So if you're new to your Bible, it's Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Ezekiel is actually one of those that you can catch, because there's a, there's a bunch of chapters. If you If I had said like, Zechariah, you know, <laughs> I would hear a lot more page turning and you'd, I would probably just write the ref, write it down. Cause I don't want to try to find it in front of everybody. That's a lot of pressure, but Ezekiel is a big one. So it's go back in there and find Isaiah and keep going. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then we'll go to chapter 14 and down in verse four, it says, therefore speak unto them. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, Every man of the house of Israel that setteth up his idols in his heart and putteth the stumbling block of his iniquity before his face and cometh to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. So he's saying, if if you come to the Lord, in this case, he's going to the prophet, and the prophet speaks for the Lord, correct? Uh, who is a prophet in this case, in this book? Ezekiel, right? And, he, and the idea is you, if you come to Ezekiel and you have some other motive behind and you just want to say, say, I have this question that I want answered. I'm going to go to the prophet. Well, I, I want this question answered, but really the reason that I want this answered is because of some other motive. It's not a pure motive. Or I, I, have, I have this thing that I want the prophet to speak about, but yet in my heart, it's, it's not in the right place. I, I have all these idols in my heart. Okay. Now, it's the same way today, if you come to the Word of God and you have these preconceived notions or you have all these things that are in your mind that you think, they say, this is this is going to be a certain way or 
or whatever. If you don't have a childlike faith when you come to the Word of God, you're not going to get the truth the way that it's supposed to be. And this this truth still stands today. Did you see what he says? He says, um, uh, just look at the verse again. He says, if he come and he cometh to the prophet, I, the Lord, will answer him that cometh according to the multitude of his idols. So it, it's, you know, it, it gets a little bit tricky. You know, people, people think, well, you, you know, I'm just going to follow my heart, this, that, or the other. Well, you better make sure that your heart is right. And you better make sure that your heart is right when you go to God's word. Because he's going to answer and reveal truth to you according to way that you, the way that you treat his word. Look in Isaiah. And I apologize if I already showed these last week. I don't remember exactly where we stopped. Isaiah, turn to the left. Get Isaiah 66. Sixty-six and verse two, Isaiah sixty-six two. For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and is of a contrite spirit, and what trembleth at my word. So, what what do you think is going to happen if you go to the word of God with a haughty spirit? with pride in your heart. What, how much do you think you're going to learn out of the word of God? If you, if you come to the word of God saying, I already know, I already know what it is that I need to know. I'm, I'm persuaded in what it is that I'm going to believe. Well, the Lord's not going to show you anything. And maybe you've just been fortunate enough to have been in a church where they teach you salvation by the grace of God, not of works. Hey, at least you got that. And that, that's just the mercy of God. But man, there's a bunch of other things that you could learn, but the Lord isn't going to allow you to learn it if you don't have the right attitude. So we have to understand that that's, that's a big part of understanding God's word. Say, so why, how, why is it that I don't understand my Bible? Well, it might just be that you have the wrong approach to God's word. And it's, it's important, um, to have the right approach. So, there again, you don't have to turn over there. I think I did mention this in Acts 8. Uh, you have the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. And the Ethiopian eunuch is reading the scriptures. You guys know the story by the chariot. And he says, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch, or the Philip comes up to him and says, do you understand what you're reading? And the answer comes back. He says, how can I understand except someone guide me? Right? So, and look, he wasn't rebuked. Philip didn't say, Hey, this is, this is blasphemy. You should be able to understand everything about what you're reading without anybody guiding you. No, what happened was, is Philip took the Bible and he expounded to him where he read. It just so happened that he was reading Isaiah 53. And he's like, this is, this passage is talking about Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. And he explained it to him. Of course, the Ethiopian eunuch gets saved. And you know what had happened in Philip's life, undoubtedly. Somebody had taken the word of God and showed him that. Okay? And we see that as a pattern. And Timothy is told by Paul, make sure that you teach other people what I have taught you. Be faithful to teach other people and the other young men that come under you because they're, they're going to have to teach those young men. And just like somebody taught me, and it's just, that's how it works. So 
understanding uh, God's word is important by the the method of being taught. Okay, so let's look at real quick what should you do when you're reading your Bible. Okay, so we understand that having the right approach is very important. Um, how many of y'all remember that verse in Psalms where it says uh, that he magnified his word above his name? And I'll be honest with you, I've read that verse and I'm, I, I really think about that. I'm like, how is that possible, you know? The name of God? And uh, there again, it's just one of those places in the Bible where you have to take it by faith. But certainly, the one thing you can come away with it from that passage is that it's, it's a pretty big deal. You're dealing with something, something holy. If you're, if he's willing to say that he's magnifying his word above his own name, then, then obviously it's a, that it's pretty far up there on the list. So turn over to Matthew chapter seven and, um, we're going to try to answer the question. What should I do when I'm reading my Bible? So the last thing was, why is it, why is the Bible so confusing? And, um, of course, a lot of things go into that, but. Part of it just may be our attitude and our, our kind of our disposition when we approach the Word of God. <clears throat> and it's written in such a way where the average person just can't open it up. Like I think I mentioned last time that the Lord, and this is something that I'm just repeating from somebody else, the Lord could have written every all, all the information that we need in 2023 just on a sheet of paper, like all the vital information, correct? Yeah. Um, but he, he didn't choose to do that. He chose to put it in a a book that's a thousand pages or more and it's kind of all in there and it's, it's, it isn't super plain. It's a lot more plain for those of us that have been taught and we're used to it, right? We're, we're just kind of like we're reaping the fruits of what other people have labored and, and we're, we've been in, you know, you guys are involved in a church and that's great. And you're, it's, it's more simple for you because you've been exposed to it more. But for the average person that just opens it up, they don't have that benefit and they're dealing with the same issues of, Hey, why is this thing confusing? I, I definitely remember when I was a teenager and I was getting to the point where it was more, uh, it was more of a thing where I wanted to figure out what the Bible was saying and not so much where I'm just going to, it's like, I don't really care. I'll just let my parents figure it out. You know, whatever it is they believe is fine with me, but it was, it was making that transition. Everybody in here is, Obviously come to that or you wouldn't be here this morning. Okay. Those of you don't, some of you don't even have your parents still around and you're still in church, right? So you've come to that decision. Well, everybody comes to that decision. And I remember thinking this Bible is so confusing. Like I don't even know where to begin. Uh, and a lot of it probably had to do with my, uh, I'm sure I was super lazy in the fact that I wasn't just going to open the Bible and read it from cover to cover. But even to, to read anything, I was just really confused. So um, we should we should also look at what we should what what we're going to do while we're reading. All right. So look at Matthew seven verse seven, and here's a simple passage that we've all read a million times. But the Lord says, "Ask and it shall be given; seek and ye shall find; knock and it shall be opened unto you." So as you approach the word of God and say we are a little confused, we don't, we don't know exactly what we're reading, how to apply it, 
uh, how it makes sense to us. You know what the best thing to do is just pray and ask. That's the, that's a great place to start. He says in Psalms, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of, out of thy law. And I've heard that verse a thousand times, but it just, it occurred to me, the reason that you have to ask the Lord to open your eyes is because it's a spiritual interaction. When you open the Bible, it's, it's not like reading, you know, a manual for <clears throat> some new thing that you just bought. You don't have to, I mean, it's always good to ask the Lord for wisdom, but I mean, come on, if you can't understand basic instructions on how to put stuff together that they put in some kind of manual, you know, then it's not really a spiritual thing that's hindering you, right? It's just your intelligence, okay? (laughs) I mean, you could play the spiritual card if you wanted to. I couldn't get this thing together because it's just like I was spiritually hindered, you know? No, it's, it's just that you didn't understand it. But the Bible is weird. It's it's different. It, you can open your Bible and you could be an incredibly intelligent person and still not understand what it is that's being spoken. And that's why David says, "Open thou mine eyes that I might might behold wondrous things out of." And if you ask the Lord, and really you should be in the habit of that when you open your Bible, ask the Lord to show you something. That's completely biblical. Just it's like Lord, here I am. I don't understand all this. And honestly, I don't want to understand it according to my understanding. I want whatever, whatever it is that you want me to have. Please show me something. And I'll be honest. You know, I, you know, it, it's not like every time I open my Bible and read, I get something. Okay. So just so you got, just a little nugget there, you know, it's like some people think, well, if you're going to teach or preach, you probably get things every time. No. No, I don't get, I don't get something every time. Sometimes it's a little dry, but I know that if I do get something, it's because it's possible that my heart was in a place where I wanted to get something. And it probably had something to do with the fact that I asked the Lord to give me something. And it's one of the, I don't know if you guys ever do that when you open your Bible, just you just throw up a quick prayer, you know, just right before you start. No? Yes? Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be an hour-long prayer. It could be two seconds. Like, Lord, please give me wisdom. You know, please give me something this morning. I, I want. I don't want to just read. I, I don't want to just read a bunch of words. I want. I want there to be something with some substance. You know, whether it's showing me something that's like, wow, I never saw that before, or something that that'll help me in that day, or whatever it is. It's like. Lord, you are the author of this, this Bible and it's like you can, you can close it or you can open it up. So, you know, open it to me or, or maybe the, actually the more biblical thing like we just read, open my eyes. The truth is right in front of me. There's something that's in me or there, there's something about me that's going to hinder me from getting something out of this Bible. So open my eyes to the truth. So just pray. And then James chapter 1. How many of you all know this passage? James chapter 1. Verse (laughs) 5. If any of you lack wisdom, hey, that's a lot of us. That's all of us. Now, maybe, maybe you've been around and you have some wisdom, but 
let's be honest. You, you, you lack some wisdom. We don't have all the wisdom. Solomon is the wisest man ever lived. He probably, there's probably some wisdom he didn't have. So we lack wisdom. If any lack wisdom and that we just be honest and say that's every one of us. What does he say? Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. Well, I, I've often come to this verse and, and, and it's like, you know, I'm asking the Lord for wisdom and I don't see, I don't see like, this supernatural thing just dumped on me where all of a sudden after I pray, my eyes are just open and I just can, you know, I have this abundant wisdom, you know, you know like Solomon did when he, he, he went to bed one night and then woke up and he was just like the wisest man that ever lived. Imagine the people around him and how shocked they were. It's like yesterday you were just this dumb kid and now you're the, it's like this supernatural thing. I, I'm sure it wasn't, I'm sure he wasn't dumb, but there had to have been, Somebody close to him had to have seen Solomon the day before and was like, this guy is, he literally just grew up overnight. You know, that I've never had that experience. Okay. I, I wish that maybe tomorrow I could just, I could pray tonight and tomorrow I'd be the wisest man. You know, if any man asks wisdom or if any man lack wisdom, let ask of God. I just ask tonight and tomorrow I'm wise. But you know, actually what, what happens over time is, is as your heart is in the right place and as you grow and as you ask the lord will give you wisdom and it is possible to read the word of god and have wisdom beyond your years you don't actually have to go through all of the problems and sin and learning the hard way you know i don't know if you remember being kids and thinking man mom and dad they they seem like they just know and understand so much more you know well, that, a lot of that probably was just from the experience, the things that they had to go through. Um, you don't have to. You can be 25, 30 years old. You can be 20 years old and, and have an attitude towards the Lord to ask for wisdom and He shows you things and, and you read the Word of God and it just, He just dumps it on you. Okay, look over in Acts 18. So we have pray. We have ask God for wisdom. And then I want to say to have the right attitude and for the Lord to show you things when you read your Bible, I think you have to have a teachable spirit. And uh, this doesn't come easy because this, in order to have a teachable spirit, you have to be humble. And what does the Bible say? Knowledge what? Puff of thought. You guys, I can tell. Somebody's been preaching the book around here somewhere. Y'all know every verse. That's great. Hey, but you know what? Just knowing the thing doesn't, it doesn't do it. Okay? You have to be able to be taught. And look at this story in Acts 18. I always thought this was kind of cool. Verse 24. A certain Jew named Apollos. Apollos is actually quite a, a big character in the New Testament. He shows up couple times Paul talks about him. Remember 1 Corinthians 1? There, it was like in Corinth, they were saying, I'm Paul, I'm, a, I'm Apollos and all this. And he was, apparently he's a pretty big figure. These big, these groups of people were saying, hey, Apollos is my man. Yeah. You know, I'm going to follow him. So Apollos was kind of a big deal. And look what happens. And I think this is a, a big part of it. He was born in Alexandria, at Alexandria, 
an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures. That's a, that's a pretty good description of somebody. I'd like for the Bible to say that about me, you know. He was mighty in the scriptures, eloquent man. Obviously could speak and exhort and he could preach. This man was instructed, verse 25, in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. This is Acts 18. A lot's happened since the baptism of John. You guys remember the baptism of John? That's the beginning of the gospel of John. You know, where he's going through and prepare you the way of the Lord and make straight the paths and all this. And everybody was confessing their sins. And it was a great thing, but a lot had happened. I mean, Jesus Christ had, had gone through his ministry and been crucified and resurrected. And now the church has been established and he's still hung on the baptism of John. Right? He says in verse 26, and he spake and began to speak boldly in the synagogue. And when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took unto him and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. So they go into the synagogue, happens to be a day where Aquila and Priscilla are there. They're sitting on the back row. And Apollos says, hey, everybody in here needs to be baptized like the baptism of John. You know, you need to, you need to do the exact same thing that I did. And these are the steps, this, that, and the other. And Aquila and Priscilla are sitting back there and they're like, ooh, there's, this guy has not been informed. He's teaching something that doesn't need to be taught, right? He's he's misguiding these people. And it says they took him and they expounded on him the way of God more perfectly. And what does he do? When he came, he was, verse 27, and when he was disposed to pass to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped him much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Um, you know what he did when Aquila and Priscilla came to him and showed him the scriptures? He took it. Yeah, yeah. And he said, yeah, you're right. I'm kind of, I, I got, I'm behind the times here. It, everything that you're saying has made, it makes perfect sense. I can see it in the scriptures. I can see, I can see how, the progression of what's happened in the, the book of Acts with the church and, and the apostle Paul and Peter and everything that they went. I, I see exactly what you're saying. I, yeah, you're, what you're saying is the truth. I'm going to change my message. You know, that doesn't happen very often. If you have somebody that is going to get up, that's bold enough and has enough guts to get up and preach and it, and it goes and preaches and he preaches the wrong thing. Why don't you try sometime to pull him aside and say, Hey, uh, what you said was, not like, hey, you mispronounced a word or you gave us the wrong reference. No, your message was wrong. What you just, what you just preached and taught, that was, that was not what you need to be doing. You're misleading people. How many people do you think, how many preachers do you think that you'd pull aside out of a church service and tell them that would actually receive the, the instruction that you gave? I, I have to say zero. Exactly what Brother Dan said. <laughs> Not even 1%. Yeah. I mean, you might find somebody. Um, there's something special about Apollos. He had a teachable spirit. It, it wasn't, he, he obviously was not a prideful man. He, in, in most cases, people would say, how dare you tell me right. what is wrong or what is right? Look, I'm not saying that you should be a type of person to just like give in to whatever anybody tells you. But what you should be is a Christian 
that has enough humility to be able to look at himself and look at the word of God and say, is what I'm saying or what I believe, is it, is it, is it right? Is it true? If you don't have, if you don't have the humility to at least examine yourself, if you don't have a teachable spirit, how do you expect the Lord to teach you? Right? So if, and, and this is the truth. Either you have a teachable spirit or you don't. When you read your, the word of God, are you closed minded? Like, do you just read it and say, oh, I know everything that I need to know. There's no point in me even in reading this and trying to understand or be taught something. Well, and if you have that attitude, you're not going to learn anything. Right? So if, when you're reading your Bible, I think that you should be praying. You should be asking God for wisdom. And you should have a teachable spirit. And then we already went there in Isaiah, but I think also you should have uh, the right attitude. What does the Bible say there in Isaiah? He that is a poor and contrite spirit. Contrite spirit. And trembleth at my word. The attitude towards the word of God should be, this is God's word. You know, there's no reason for me to doubt it or correct it. Um, there's no reason for me to think that my my belief or my agenda is more important than what's written in here. You should have the right attitude. And um, the Holy Spirit will teach you. And look over in John chapter 16. John 16, 13. He says, Howbeit when, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So the Holy Spirit's guide or the Holy, excuse me, Holy Spirit's job is to guide you into all truth. So if I, I honestly believe that if you have the right attitude and you're praying, you have a teachable spirit and you're asking the Lord for wisdom and you are being faithful in reading the word of God, I believe that, that you're going to get the truth. I really do. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to do, get it all on your own. We've, we're, we've been around too long to think that we're just going to get all the doctrines and all the truth and everything exactly where it needs to be without any help. Because who in here has gotten to this point? And you're, how, how many here have got or at the point now where you you've received and and you know everything because just you were in your living room studying your Bible? Nobody. Everybody in here was taught something from somebody else, and we already saw that that's biblical. So there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But if I get up here and I say, uh, maybe you've learned something this morning. I say, this, this is what the Bible says. This is, this is the things that you should consider. These are some things that are truth. And I expound, say 30, 45 minutes. And then you go home and you sit down and you open the word of God. And you have all those things that were shown you. And then now it's your turn to actually receive the truth. Okay. Cause it's almost like I'm presenting it to you. And now it's your job, whether or not you're going to, you know, embrace it, learn it, uh, have it kind of as a part of the way that you live. So you can, in other words, 
you're in here and you're, you're getting instruction, but the way that you're going to learn is by sitting down with the Word of God and have the Holy Spirit teach you. Whether you're being taught at church or not. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope that wasn't confusing, but just because you're being taught in Sunday school doesn't mean that you're going to receive it and, and be a part of you. That's something that you have to do on an individual level. Every, every morning when you wake up and you read the Word or you, whenever it is, the afternoon, evening, and, and that's the other thing that's, this kind of goes without saying is if you're going to learn God's Word, then you're obviously reading your Bible, right? This lesson isn't about why you should read your Bible. It's kind of taken for granted that you want to read your Bible and you are reading your Bible. Why isn't that you're not getting the truth that you should be getting? So it's kind of taken for granted that you're going to actually read the Word of God. And then it, it should be noted and um, go back to Romans or say go over to Romans chapter 10. That the most important ingredient in understanding the Bible is reading the Bible is, is just the simple fact that you're reading it. Romans 10, 17, 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So how do you expect to understand your Bible if you're not even reading your Bible, right? And the more that you read, the more that you're going to understand and the more that you're going to grow. Um, we could go into that, that whole aspect of faith and exercising your faith and all that. But simply put, if you read your Bible, you're going to grow. You know, if you're just not reading your Bible at all, then you can, you're not going to expect to understand or have more wisdom or more knowledge or be closer to the Lord. So those things are important um, when you approach the Word of God. It's a, it's a spiritual interaction, right? It's a, it's, it's completely different than anything else. You can sit down and read a fictional book or a biography of some, some kind, and you can just leisurely read it. You can get all the information. You can understand the story, and it can be exciting or entertaining or whatever. But if you're, if you're wanting to engage in learning something about God, it's going to take more than just sitting down and leisurely just reading it. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to like have this, this crazy amount of concentration or desire. It's, it's just a hard attitude. You come to the Word of God and, and it's like, Lord, please give me something. You just can't read it flippantly, you know? Like it's just some other book because it's not some other book. And you can, good night, you can learn and understand things out of this little book that will change everything about your life, will change your eternity. And even if you are saved here this morning, it can still redirect some things in eternity. We know that we as Christians, we have the opportunity to serve the Lord. And that that opportunity is going to be reflected in how the judgment seat of Christ comes out and the millennial reign of Christ and all those things that we know they're going to be out in the future. Well, all that stuff hinges on whether or not we're going to read and try to understand God's word. Cause there's never been a Christian that's done something for God that didn't read God's word. I'd love for you to show me somebody that's a strong Christian that has that served the Lord and stayed serving the Lord all his life that didn't have a habit of reading God's word. And in turn, that same person came to the Word of God with the, the attitude, Lord, please teach me something. You know, 
Please show me something. This is, this is, uh, this is something that I can't fight with my own intellect. My own understanding, my own intelligence, my IQ is not going to help me with reading God's word. It's, it's my heart. It's my attitude. It's my spirit. And I think it's important. I know it's important that we have the right attitude and, uh, teachable spirit, all those things. Okay. So we're going to actually wrap it up there. Uh, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for giving us your word. We pray that you would continue to help us as we look to understand it. And, um, maybe everyone in here this morning has a pretty good understanding of the word of God. And this isn't something that's super applicable to them, but maybe there's somebody in their life that they can help who's looking for some answers and just these simple truths. I do believe will help people, um, just to approach God's word in the right way and to pray and just to, to really desire to have the truth. And we know, um, from what you said, God, that if we, if we do those things, that you will give us the truth and you're going to show us some, some stuff out of your word and help us and help us to grow. And we pray that this lesson would be a help and encouragement to everyone that heard it. Pray that you bless the rest of the service in Jesus name. Amen.